No, I no? think I'm ready. You look pretty nice. I look nice. <laughs> I don't. Am I right? I am nice. I like to think I'm nice. Welcome back everybody, it's your host Natalia and today I'm here with the lovely Juliana Cardona. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of Street Entrepreneurs um, and we're going to talk about entrepreneurship today and building women up and building other communities up. I'm really excited for uh, this conversation because everything I've heard about you is great um, but I'll let you introduce yourself so go. My name is Juliana Cardona as you said. Um, I am originally from Colombia. I moved to the States when I was nine. I moved to Colorado mm -hmm. and then we moved to Florida. I came to Washington DC thinking I would run for office. You can believe that. And then I got here and I realized I'm not a citizen working in politics. It's gonna be kind of hard right now. Yeah. So I ended up um, doing uh, a couple internships. One of them was at PBS and I learned so much about design thinking and community organizing there and I left convinced I would be a community organizer. Mm -hmm. So I trained briefly with the Industrial Areas Foundation um, and I then started Street Entrepreneurs. Soon I ran out of money. As one does. <laughs> And I went to work for the World Bank for a little bit. Yeah. And I came back to do straight entrepreneurs. So when, so how old were you when you moved here? To DC? Yeah. Oh, I was right out of college. Okay. So, Cause like you're still so young and like you started this whole business and I think that's, I don't know, for me that's like telling, like I love when I see young people like make yeah. incredible things at, so it gives me hope. <laughs> for a future life. How old are you? 24. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel that, I don't know, millennials just get such a bad rep. Yeah. And I don't know um, why. I mean, every kind of new generation, quote unquote, yeah. has been, um, not vilified, but has been cast in a bad light because young people are always wanting to shake things up and change mm -hmm. things and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. No, you know? I completely agree because like if we see something wrong with the way things are being done, it's not, it's probably not just us because there was probably things that like we learned from our parents that we were, they, that they thought was wrong or like other family members or older friends or whatever, they thought it was wrong and so we want to change it because we also think it's wrong and then the powers that be are always like no 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 it's not the time i i'm like then when is the time yeah to do yeah what we want to do or the things that like we all know that like need to change but we don't say anything about it right my favorite one of my favorite kind of phrases ever it was emma watson when she was giving her speech at the un and she said if not me who if not now, when? 
and I think so many people just put put it off. It's like, oh, well, we'll do it someday. Mm-hmm. But that's not, I feel like if we keep having that mentality, then we'll never really get exactly. anything done. And I feel like we've so often told ourselves, like, I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough that. But I think what we're seeing now with, like, the millennial generation or the generation younger, so, like, my sister's generation, um, they are, we're just kind of doing things, not concerned about, like, finances or political capital or any, you know, like, any other reservations. We're kind of just like, well, if I want to do it, there has to be a cheap way to do it. And I think it's, like, cheap doesn't necessarily mean bad, which I think before that's how people thought about it. It's like, well, I'm not going to do it cheap because if I do it cheap, it'll be bad. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Have you ever heard of, like, Lean Startup? Lean Startup? Yeah. Mm -mm. So it's all about that. It's about just coming up with a minimal viable product, like Mm -hmm. something, something you can start as soon as possible, test and iterate on and test and iterate on, right? Um, because so many people wait and spend so much time and money planning the perfect yeah. product or the perfect business or whatever. And then when they launch it, they realize they didn't bother to get customer insights and to work on, on the feedback mm-hmm. before they actually spend a ton of time and money on product development. So it's actually kind of, kind of good that you just started Yeah, I think, I don't know, I, I always thought that to myself, it's like, well, it's not the time, like, anything that I wanted to do, because I just assumed that, like, I wasn't old enough, or, like, I don't know that many people, or, like, I don't have the money to, like, start or whatever, to do whatever, like, I wanted, but even when I started this podcast, I just had my computer, and I was just using my computer mic, yeah, I know you have a fancy microphone. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not as expensive as you think. Like, I think I got it for, like, 28 bucks on Amazon. Beautiful. Yeah, and it looks so nice and fancy, and then yeah. I got a little pop filter for, like, 9 bucks. Like, I think Amazon has really changed <laughs> changed the game in terms of what I can, like, buy. But, like, being able to, like, I... So you're calling Amazon to be a sponsor? Yeah, Amazon, if you, I mean, I have feelings about Jeff Bezos, but, like, Amazon, if you're trying to sponsor, you want to get that sponsorship money, I'm here for it. I don't like capitalism, but I'm here to sell out, you know? What? What? <laughs> I don't like the system in which we've created where only a few can succeed. I think inherently it can be good, but the way in which we've created it Do you think has that people. is inherent of capitalism or inherent of humanity? I think it's inherent of humanity and our denial... Like, I'm in no way advocating for communism, but because I don't believe in communism either, I also don't think that's inherent to humans. But so what is the perfect system? I don't know. I think, is but there a perfect I don't think there's a perfect system. But I think, yeah. but I think the system in which we are now is so polarized that we have made it so only a very few can succeed, and not succeed. And like, we all have millions, and we all have like. 60 homes and or whatever like millions of money but like the fact that I who am getting my grad degree and graduating in May what are you studying uh, I'm getting my master's in public policy okay um I don't have a full-time job yet and I have like 
two part-time jobs that are like tangentially related to my field and so or even when I came out of college like from a good four-year school and was struggling to find a job who had done internships had good recommendations like all of all of those things like the fact that I bounce from thing to thing to try and just like pay my bills and like feed myself um I think we've created a system where very few are able to do that and it takes a lot longer so like when we're talking about like millennials getting blamed for a lot of things it's like well all of us are coming out of college and there's no not that there's not jobs there are there's just not jobs to pay us what we're worth because I've seen jobs posted for people with master's degrees that are only paying you thirty thousand dollars yeah so that's one of the reasons I I started or I'm running street entrepreneurs today Mm -hmm. right it's to create as close to a gritocracy as possible, right? So I want to live in a world where if you're willing to work hard, you can make it. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that that isn't the case for a lot of people in this country, right? You can yeah. go to school, you can work really hard, graduate with a PhD, and still struggle to find a good paying job. Yep. Right, that allows you to feed your family and to thrive, right, and to send your kids to school, mm-hmm. right. So the idea is that if you can start a business, you can you can do that, right. So, um, you know, entrepreneurship is not necessarily a hundred percent merit based either. Yeah. Right. So you need to know the right people and you need to know the right things, right. So what we do at Street Entrepreneurs is precisely that. We provide pay-what-you-can education Mm. so that anyone can access the education and knowledge they need to take their business to the next level. And um, we connect one one another entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. and mentors and coaches so that you can access network and people um, to help you. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like a community-based approach to helping one another and lifting each other up. And we also want to connect entrepreneurs to community money so that if they have grit, we mm-hmm. can provide them with everything else that they yeah. need to make it or connect them to everything else they need to make it. Um, so I think it's... Um, I once time heard the, the phrase of humane capitalism. <laughs> That's new. I've never heard that term, but I think I'm here for it. I think Richard Branson is is, is the guy who, who was talking about it. Um, but it's an idea that it's it's about bringing bringing all ships up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like paying your wor- workers, um, living wages that allow them to thrive and grow, right? And not yeah. not nec- it won't necessarily maximize like shareholder value in Mm -hmm. that um you could have saved money on salaries but you're gonna have happier workers that are yeah no i agree went on a tangent no but that's what this is for because like i think about like way back in the day like they say that our generation is probably going to change our career not just job like career like i think it's like six times or something something crazy like that um versus like back in the day it was like you found a company and you were with that company for like 50 years and it wasn't because 
like they maybe paid you the most, but they valued you. So like you had your health insurance or like you had dinners at your boss's house. They had community picnics. They had, I don't know, just like those other, those extra things that make, I think people want to be cared for and they want to, and I think, I think we should also want to care for others, but I think we've moved so away from that and focus more on like the money and it's like, okay, you're making all this money, but you constantly have to rehire people because people are quitting and you constantly have to retrain because they're not making enough money or like just those, those other things versus like, if you just kept the same person (laughs) for like 60 years, you could have so much more productivity yeah. An investment. If you just put that little extra investment in them and, I don't know, just big companies that, like, their CEOs or whatever are making, you know, $60 million a year. It's like, do you need $60 million? I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm not hating on that. Oh, no. Someone, like, I'm for you making your money, but... The question is, are you making $60 million, well, $60 million while your workers are making less than living wages yes that to me that is the that is a question right if Mm -hmm. if you know the profits were so off the charts that you can take off a 60 million bonus good for you yeah but how much are your workers making are we investing that back like i don't know are we investing that back in our people i think is a huge and in terms of like are they making a livable wage and i think on top of that is also I think I'd be more, not more okay with us not making as much of a livable wage, but if there wasn't so much demand on time. So I think we live in a world where people demand so much of your time but aren't willing to pay for it. Because, like, I have friends who work for the government, per se, and the government can pay you super well, but at the same time, like, I have friends who go into work at 10.30 in the night or who are working weekends all weekend, and it's, like, they're salaried so they don't get... Um, I don't know, but not everyone... Okay, so I think this is this is another question is, mm-hmm. so not just compensation, mm-hmm. but purpose. Right? Yeah. So I sometimes you're working in Congress, is, you're, honestly, if you're a staffer on the Hill, yeah. you're not doing it for the money. <laughs> no, no, no. You're doing it because you, you want to make the system work better, and, mm-hmm. and whether they're thriving at doing that or not is... Wow. (laughs) No, but like, should we, but but should we punish, not punish people? So I don't know. You're, you're talking to someone who works like seven days a week and 12 to 18 hour days. And I do so by choice. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's nothing I'd rather do. You know, I want to be working. I love what I do. Mm -hmm. I think it's important and meaningful and necessary and you know so it's not sometimes you want to work <laughs> and I, I don't know you get a little bit judged for it I mean you know? I I love what I do like yeah. I I do like I love doing this podcast I love yeah when I get to write about refugee and peace but like I and like I'll be up at you know 11 at night because I'm also taking full-time classes and editing yeah. because th- it really is what I love and I totally get that I think I think it's, but you also own your own business. So it's a nonprofit, by the way. A nonprofit, sorry. Clarify. Yes, let's clarify. Sorry. So it's a nonprofit. So you're running this, you founded this. Yes. I think it's, 
but there's a lot of people who who work you know full-time jobs and don't just do it for the pay yeah like they do it because it's their purpose right and if they you know another thing is like art yeah because it's hard because like I still because I get that because like I want to work yeah. in the nonprofit space like yeah. that's what I've done my entire life yeah. the two things I work for now are both nonprofits. um and I understand like in that space we're not going to get paid as much as like in the private sector but I am wary of relying on people's purpose to justify low wages in a field because mm-hmm. I've because I've seen that and like a lot of people in nonprofit get burned out. So the question, I guess, a question would be: Do you do you feel that um, there should be caps to salaries in nonprofits? You're saying mm. that maybe there shouldn't be mm-hmm. because you shouldn't just rely on people's mission and purpose, right? You should pay them competitive salaries. Is that where you were going with that? Or? Yeah, I think you should still... I think also just nonprofits in, in general get a bad rap if they're making money or they're using it on other things, which mm-hmm. if you understood the process of a nonprofit, which you you know, you have to invest in certain structures and things before you can just use all the money you get for, like, your cause. I'm trying to think of a better way. Like, I'm trying to think of a... I don't know. So say it's like a nonprofit that specifically say like like a feeding the children kind of nonprofit. If we if they get donations like to their to their organization, people are really big about. I want to make sure that like when 100 percent of that money goes to the kids Mm -hmm. that they're feeding, Mm -hmm. which like, yes, you should be using the donated money to feed the kids. But in order to have an organization that feeds the kids, we also have to have people which make up said organization and those people have to be compensated we can't they, it can't be a completely volunteer-based organization and you have to pay the the truck drivers say who go who are maybe contracted out to go bring the food you have to pay like just like all those different facets that go into that and so I'm I understand like purpose and mission mm-hmm. because I believe in purpose and mission because anyone who's in a nonprofit space, has purpose and mission but I don't want us to eventually use that as an excuse as to why not to compensate people for what they're doing because I think often that is the excuse it's like well you're here for the mission but it's like I also want to go home and have food to eat so (laughs) so it's like it's that it's that balance so I think but I think there's also like this outside societal pressure that if you're like a nonprofit, all your money should be going towards your cause but helping your cause ensures that you have qualified people to do the job. And if you, while we are here for the purpose and mission, if you can't pay your qualified people, mm-hmm. they're going to leave to go to the pro- the private sector, just right. simply because they have families or they have other responsibilities that they have to pay for. Does that make sense? No, it does. It's yeah. It's just a. It's a hard. So I guess the question is: Are you? Would you be okay with individuals and nonprofits making private sector kind of wages at at a similar level? So I'm talking like a million plus. I don't know. I mean, some some CEOs of nonprofits do. What are your thoughts on that? 
I think it has, I think you have to look holistically like at what then they're spending on their cause. So like if you're, if the CEOs or that like the higher managing team, like the top tier, yeah. like if you look at like the pie and 50% of that pie is going to them where that other 50% is used, it's cut up in other slices to pay like the mid-level managers or like your basic workers yeah. and then another slice of that pie is going to like the mission, another slice is going to fundraising, but yet you have 50% that it's ready. Yeah. That to me is problematic. So I think I think you have to look at the whole pie. So if a CEO is making a million, before I'm like, why is he making a million dollars? I want to see all the money that comes in and then how that's sliced mm. off. And I think because we hear a number in our head, we're like, oh, that's a lot. Well, I don't know. Um, I, I, I wouldn't impose um, this on any organization or individual. I think each organization and their board and stakeholders have to make that decision for themselves, Mm -hmm. right? But for me, for street entrepreneurs, if I could take a million dollar salary, I wouldn't because with that money, Mm -hmm. I can hire a lot of Of people people to do a lot of work. And there's so much work to be done that, frankly, we we can't waste that money Mm -hmm. and I do say waste because Mm. I just don't need a million dollars to live on right yeah no with I'd be happy with five dollars quite honestly (laughs) (laughs) um no no I mean not five dollars I I do want to I do want to have a a family and provide for my family and you know live comfortably but um I and I, I think if I was working for the private sector, I would have no problem mm-hmm. charging that. Yeah. Uh, because I, I know that if I can demand that, it's because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making that and then some yeah. for for the company and providing value to customers that justifies that kind of salary and so on. But because in a nonprofit, you need the money to do the mission mm-hmm. and you're not doing the mission for the money mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I can't justify that if I think someone gives us money is to do mm-hmm. the mission right and I just don't think I wonder you know I mean? no I totally get what you're saying and yeah. I think you as street entrepreneurs like you guys are a smaller a smaller amazing organization I think if you're more like a like a compassion or like a world vision or like a like a save the children. But there's so many children to save. So with <laughs> with that, I I don't know. I guess it's I guess it's hard because I'm not a CEO, and also honestly, I'd be really happy with like 45 a year. Like, because to me, it's like this. Like I said, like a pie. Like so, if you're if you holistically are say bringing in 50 million a year. And raising fifty million a year. Yeah. For the organization. Yeah. So not like for you're, yourself. Yeah, not for right. yourself. Yeah, I would. I'm trying because like they have like what there's fundraise and then there's the, like your overhead. So I think some nonprofits will have like a thirty percent overhead. So that thirty percent of so whatever internal that goes to like. I think it's like best practice to keep it under twenty five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but even then. You're like, 25 is high? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, so, you, 
you need to keep sound operations and administration in any organization mm -hmm. to enable it to grow mm -hmm. and because we are a human capital development organization all that we need money for is salaries i need to hire teachers i need to pay coaches i mm -hmm. need to to take um, short-term programming to other cities so our impact mm -hmm. goes to the overhead right mm -hmm. um the management of of the courses and and the matching of of the people right so it's it's programmatic but i guess some some people would consider that overhead overhead right yeah. so i don't I don't know. It's it's hard because I'm I'm really I'm personally just like really big on people living a holistic life, mm -hmm. and so while I love what I do, like don't get I love what I do. I plan on continue doing this. Right. I have other things coming. Like I also I also want to be able to enjoy my life, and not just in the sense of like enjoying my work, but enjoying my my friends and my family and my time and and just also valuing my my time is really huge and I think we as our western culture sometimes overlook how important that is like that self-care aspect for all our workers and I think those who work in this nonprofit space need that more need so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you I know that's definitely something that I'm I'm learning with <laughs> myself so I started taking Sundays off, mm. and I, it's it's so weird because like I get anxiety when I'm not working. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're so used to like going, going, going. Well, no, because there's so much to do, and mm -hmm. I want to do it. Um, but I've I've um, I have like a new mantra like, I can only go so fast, right? Mm -hmm. And if I can't finish it today, I'll keep at it tomorrow. And right, um, it's just I want to go faster. <laughs> Um, but I, I kind of got very sick because I, mm -hmm. like, I think it was, it was like six months ago. I had been pushing myself a lot. Like I was working a lot and not sleeping enough and not eating and not working out and all this kind of stuff. And I just got really, really sick. So I had to take, um, time out mm -hmm. to, to recuperate and, I mean, since then, I kind of, I, I look at it this way. Um, if I don't take care of myself, mm -hmm. then I will have to take even more time yeah. off mm -hmm. away from work, right? So it's, um, for anything you do, you, your body and your mind has have to be prepped, right? Yes. So um, I, I think about it that way. So now I meditate every day mm. and I sleep <laughs> you know and I take Sundays off to work out and this kind of stuff so that my body can can go further mm -hmm. you know no I I yeah. agree and I think that's why I think because we don't do that yeah we burn out so like me I'm I like to be like a very giving person like with my time and with my heart and like my spirit because I'm so passionate about things and I literally just started learning the same thing like Natalia you have to say no <laughs> to some things you have to be like careful about your time and making sure that like you have time for yourself because I know that if I burn out like 
if I if I go 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 go, it's gonna I'm gonna hit a wall where for two weeks I'm not able to give anybody anything. So I like in the long run, if I don't take those little moments every day, then eventually it'll hit where it's like a two week period where it's just like I can't do anything because like I'm sick or like I'm way too tired or I'm way too burnt out, mm. and I'm not working to the best of my ability. Is that kind of what you were saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do, I do want to work to the best of my ability at all times. But so that does mean for a short amount of time, even if it's like 15 minutes, I get that time to myself to just be. So I like to try not to answer any text messages after nine o'clock <laughs> or like any emails or anything. Um, even if I'm like still working, it's just like I've closed myself off off to like the outside world. So it's like, okay, I'm not letting anybody like into this yeah, yeah. space. And yes. And okay, here I'm I'm talking about me right now, but yeah. I, I recognize not not everyone is, is like me. So I, I tell um the people that work for me, like, you work from nine to five, mm-hmm. Monday through Friday. That is it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if I write you Beyond that, do not respond. <laughs> I mean, just because I work all the time doesn't mm-hmm. mean you should, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um, I mean, I, I have I, I, I have had people in the past that were like me, mm-hmm. um, and I was kind of like, don't. <laughs> it's don't like, but me. I want to <laughs> but learn. Like, but no, so it's it's almost like I'm okay with 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 working all the time, but I'm not okay with the people that work for me working all the time. And what, why is that? Like, why do you think that is? I don't know. Um, so, Mark was his name. Yeah, he he would kind of work and not tell me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, Mark, I know you're working. I know you're working. Like, somehow something's done. Yeah. <laughs> like, Monday, this wasn't done on Friday. How is it now done at 9 exactly, a.m. on Monday? Exactly. But, but what can I say? I uh, Because I, I want to take care of... Mm-hmm of um of the people that that work for us and I want to make sure they're they're living a balanced life which I know is a hypocrisy because I'm not um but balance for you could look different yeah 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 I guess that's I I think everybody had like for me balanced is making sure like I go 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 like I'm a go like trust me my mother would tell you I'm a go 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 like I don't stop I'm probably, anytime you talk to me, I'm probably on my way to something else. You're like, you're like a marathoner? Yes. I. And, and there's people who, yeah. I'm, or you're a sprinter. I'm definitely a sprinter because yeah. I'm usually, and then I'll like hit a wall and it's like, it'll come to like that last hurdle. I'm like, I'm tired. Yeah. And because yeah. I'm usually, I usually am like just off to like every, you know, something else all the time. Um, and it was a, and not really burnt me out. Like really like to to like a crazy extent have you read ariana huffington's book on sleep no me either but i heard (laughs) okay i heard the brink which summarizes books for you Uh so you can read more books um anyways it's it's great um and you should read it it's gonna convince you to sleep to sleep like you're just you get so much more done if you're rested 
I do. You know? I notice that so much. Like if I get that, like if I get like my models eight, like I can <laughs> the next day I can be like fully a person and like be so much more productive. That's honestly sometimes like when um when I'm like really tired and maybe it's like nine o'clock and you're like no you can go for like two more hours, I will just stop and just go to sleep because I know the work I'll produce if I yeah yeah, like if but if I sleep if I go to sleep now and wake up you're in a flow and you're just like oh my god I have this idea and it's just kind of spewing out of you this happens to me when I go to sleep I don't know why but my brain is just (laughs) wired that way when I'm like right about to fall asleep Mm -hmm. I get my best ideas take notes I do but then I don't sleep you know (laughs) so it's like oh we should do this and this and that and this person and and it's like so I start working and then it's like 4 a.m and I'm like oh my god I have a meeting at 9 a.m what am I gonna do so it's yeah you have to go to like (sighs) so hard it is but I like I, I just I know I learned it the hard way yeah and so like how many hours do you sleep now I'm getting better. Like now I, I will sleep six or seven yeah. hours. It's um, you're you're one of those genetically. There's like genetically gifted people. <laughs> they like need less sleep because they're very efficient sleepers. But I can be very cranky. Like if I don't get yeah enough sleep, like because sometimes it's not like a restful sleep. Mm. But if it when it hits like usually not all the time like unless I have like a really late night the night before like if it hits 7 30 usually my body is like up mm-hmm. I can like doze in and out but I won't really like truly fall back asleep um but what I like to do is like I'll set my alarm and then like 20 minutes before I really have to get up so I have time to like doze and then time to like wake up and like just be by myself before I actually have to like get out of my bed and like shower and start my day and stuff like that to just give myself that extra little cheat time and just like hang out because I think I don't know to me it's really important to give yourself that time especially if you're pursuing a business and wanting to let it run because you're you give so much from having this conversation with you you give so much already to your workers, to the people that you help, to this organization. I think it's also important, like you said, to take Sundays off. If that's if that's how you balance your life and that's enough for you, then I think that's a beautiful thing. And I don't think anyone should tell you how to balance your life. Like, if balance for you just means Sundays, you're like, but there's another six days in the week that you're working for. It's like, no, maybe Sunday's for you. Maybe that's all you need. Yeah. You know, and I don't think that's a bad thing. For me, it's like, I know I have to take a little bit of time each day. Mm, good, yeah. And so, it and it may not be for like six hours. It'll be like maybe like 20, 30 minutes that like that's just for me. And that helps me a lot more. Because sometimes if I don't work all day, I feel very unproductive. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's, I don't know. I think the way you do it is fine. If that's fine for you, it's. I mean, you're here running a company, running a nonprofit. So, so okay, we've got a lot about us, but I do want to hear more about street entrepreneurs. Like, you, so did you start and then stop? You said you ran out of money, and then you started again, or how did that work? So I'm trying to remember the timeline here. I think I was doing a 
a consulting project mm -hmm. uh, at the time for the World Bank when I actually started. I had been thinking about it for a while, but that's when I actually started. And then I, the consulting project ended, and then I focused on street entrepreneurs, and then I ran out of money. Um, so I, I, it went back to work, and <laughs> then I saved up and I went back to do street entrepreneurs and we did a crowdfunding campaign and we raised um, enough money to do a, um, a year-long program mm -hmm. with 32 workshops oh, um, wow! and that's what we just culminated so we just finished um, the workshops we've selected kind of who are the, the most dedicated and the people who have made the most progress and we've worked with them to uh, match them to mentors and coaches and we'll be helping them fundraise through a showcase that we're working on putting together that's awesome thank you that's so awesome and it's going to showcase like the the business ideas that they have and right so the well, idea is to raise community capital so think okay. of this like uh, the people's <coughs> vc like the, the people's shark tank, right? So mm -hmm. um, we want to broadcast this um, to a physical and live audience so that people watching and people in the audience can invest, donate, or purchase from the entrepreneurs. So the audience are the sharks. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the idea. So throughout these workshops, um, are people, are they like just kind of setting up their businesses throughout these workshops or are they, are the business or business already set up and it's kind of introducing them to different people or what is the focus? So people come at different stages. Okay. Right. So it's eight topics that we cover and then there's niche workshops within each topic. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we had a business planning month and we had a workshop on business planning for food businesses and business planning for uh, businesses that are scaling or starting to scale, business planning for I, people in the ideation mm -hmm. arena within tech kind of companies. Um, so it's different kinds of, of workshops for t businesses at, at different stages, sometimes for businesses in different industries. Okay, are you trying to target a specific group of people? So is it like you want to target women, you want to target um, like marginalized communities, you want to target ethnicities? So initially I wanted to target homeless youth Mm. But when a lot of individuals who were not homeless came to the workshop and who were not youth came, <laughs> uh, we realized that they all had something in common and it was that desire to make it no matter what. Mm. Um, so since then, we got rid of any sort of criteria and mm. we just want to invest in grit. Having said that, we care very much about being inclusive, and I take demographics each workshop to ensure that we are. And we're very reactive to those surveys. So for instance, initially we were 70% men, mm. and I reached out to a lot of organizations that focus on women entrepreneurs, such as Empowered Women International. Mm -hmm. and through partnerships with them and, and by providing um, their audience 
free promo codes for our workshops and so on. Um, we were able to get a gender balanced class. In fact, we kind of outperformed and that now we're 54% women. Oh, wow. You really flipped that. And how long did it take you to do that? Because it had to be a... I need you to run a workshop on how to flip all of, like, everything on its head. Because that's incredible. Like, in only three months' time, that's incredible. What I realize is that there's a lot of... A lot of organizations that say we're really good at inclusion but we're not good at diversity Mm, right mm. Um, and what they mean by that is like oh well they can come they're just not coming and what I realized uh, is that we're not inviting them Mm -hmm. right so we have to be more intentional about inviting and being inviting um, to underrepresented groups in our programs right so we we did we did that we did it. I mean, if if we can do it, I think anyone can. So you talked a little bit about um, the humane capitalism. That was kind of a phrase that you used. And is that kind of was that like your inciting passion for street entrepreneurs? This oh, idea of humane? Not at all. That was simply a tangent of our conversation. <laughs> um, for me. It's about creating a grit-based economy mm-hmm. where if people want to make it, if people have the drive to make it, we can provide them with everything they need to do it, right? Whether that is knowledge, networks, mentors, coaches, or startup capital. Um, and it's about providing access, right? Mm-hmm. So all of our workshops are priced based on income. So if you're mm. low income, it's free. If you're low to middle income, it's $5. If you're middle income, it's 15 If you're high income, it's 50 It's the same quality content mm-hmm. that is incredible. We have amazing lecturers who are talented small business and startup consultants um, and are extremely good at explaining these topics and, and helping our entrepreneurs master them. Um, and But simply, just people pay different prices because what might be a lot for someone might be nothing for someone else, right? So we want to make that price point meaningful, mm-hmm. a meaningful contribution for each person so that each person has skin in the game, but it's not priced out of out of the mm-hmm. workshops. I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about this idea of like, I don't have enough money to start a business. I don't have enough capital. I don't have enough. And you've you've created a space that really is inclusive of that thought of it doesn't matter where you're starting from we're going to make sure that you start exactly I really I really love that like I like I really really truly love that because so often I hear and I see people who like want to do incredible things and like I just don't have anybody in my corner but you're here to show that like it doesn't matter and I think that's extremely impressive if you especially want to start off with like homeless youth I know now you don't have any criteria of you know who can attend workshops and be part of this program but But um, we still have individuals who were formerly homeless and mm -hmm. and are no longer because they Mm -hmm. um were able to start businesses and and thrive um have you had people like who were still homeless like just like coming off the street and are like hey like i want to i want to bring myself out of this i have yeah um there was a guy who had worked as a as a janitor um, for 
a long time for for public schools and right before retirement I think it was like a couple of weeks before retirement he was laid off and uh, he had a bad back and he couldn't really work mm-hmm. cleaning anymore but he was uh, quite the artist mm. he made beautiful beautiful drawings and he was um, he was selling them and uh, I haven't I don't have his authority his permission to to share mm-hmm. you know his name but um you know he is one of those people that was um that was pushing himself out of it using his talent right so mm-hmm. um the idea for him was to to teach um painting to kids because that could pay him more than actually selling his drawings mm-hmm. um yeah that's really incredible it's kind of great i wish we I wish those type of people were like more upfront. If How that, so? In the sense of, so part of the reason I wanted to create, you know, create more than a pretty face was so I could highlight incredible women like you, who are Thank doing you. these things. Yeah, no, of course. Like getting to talk to you and hear about your experience and hear what you're passionate about and how hard you work is so important to me. And I think so important to the other people that listen to this podcast because I think a lot of the times the people that we look up to or that we have to look up to are are women who are equally as incredible but way up there in the sense of like the Michelle Obamas or the Clinton, you know what I mean, the Clintons or like they feel out of reach. Yes, very out of reach. Like I can't walk down the street and be like, "Hey, Oprah, what's up?" You know, <laughs> like I can't, I can't do that. I can't have that that dialogue. But someone like you who is equally as incredible, I can send a text message from a mutual friend and be like, hey, you coming on the show? And to get to hear your experience and it's like, here you are, you work really hard and you've built this entire nonprofit and um, and are helping and pulling like 10 other people up with you, which to me is something that's really important. Like I know that whatever I want to do, like I want to pull myself up, but I also want to help bring like, you know, 10 other people and they bring 10 other people so we can all kind of like yeah, I mean, Rise I think together. the the greatest impact you can have is through entrepreneurs because mm-hmm. we're working with 300 entrepreneurs that are working with teams and are creating mm-hmm. impact in their families and their communities, and not just financially. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking human and social capital that they're bringing back with them. Yes. So they're better able to help their kids with homework, and they there's someone at their church, temple, or mosque, or in their community that needs help with something they have one more contact to connect them to it's really creating an ecosystem of individuals that are here to support one another. and I'm, I'm very very proud to say that we are volunteer run so we have 32 volunteer lecturers and 120 volunteer coaches and mentors mm. and we serve 300 entrepreneurs per year and we're looking to grow and the way we can do that is through the community no I, I love that because I, I think it also shows, I think we also kind of have this idea that no one's going to do this for free. I mean, you it's know? true that um, for us to to be a more sustainable organization, we need to create more operational capacity. So mm-hmm. one of, I guess, my biggest failings is that initially I really didn't want any overhead I said Mm. we want to be entirely community run and built and while that is important and is a big piece of who we are and what we do 
we need the infrastructure. So I neglected the infrastructure for so long and focused on being entirely grassroots Mm -hmm. um, that we were now lacking the infrastructure to support the grassroots. Yeah. Right. So it's it's what I'm focusing on right now. And what does that look like for you? So we need to create a more sustainable way of raising money. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a lot of donors um, and the average donation is five dollars mm-hmm. um, and it's it's not enough to to create sustainable yeah. um, infrastructure to support our grassroots effort, efforts right so we need to connect to networks of wealth who believe in what we're doing and want to join us as partners mm-hmm. um, in the work we do um, and we are working to to create an earned income product for street entrepreneurs um, that will be called <laughs> wait for it should I drum roll we're not ready to announce it okay um, <laughs> <laughs> you but built up so much just I'm upset it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's gonna be similar to the talent exchange so the talent exchange allows entrepreneurs to trade and barter skills with one another um, and the only currency is time and skill um, so okay. we're building a digital version of this mm-hmm. and we hope this will create a sustainable revenue stream to grow the work we do but also this is a digital version of the work we do which mm-hmm. is much more scalable right yeah. so with this we hope to take our work to post-industrial cities where which is where I think there's there's a lot of talent and a lot of gritty people um, so Cleveland, Detroit, and Baltimore. So I'm, yeah, because that like leads me to my next question. I was like, is this type of infrastructure replicable? So not even just like post-industrial cities, because like Baltimore is still like a city. I'm thinking like flyover states, right? You know, in small communities. Yeah. So what I what I'm referring to post-industrial cities, I mean, in cities where where industry has has left a lot of gaps in employment. So you have um, skilled workers. Um, who are hard workers, right? And and we're really the core of the American middle class and are now struggling to find jobs, right? Mm-hmm. I want to work with them. Um, I care a lot about that population. I also care a lot about individuals in rural America who are unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and communities of color who are underemployed. So there's a lot of black and brown people that are not being paid what is fair mm-hmm. in corporate America. They're mm-hmm. being paid less. And for, for those that are tired of that injustice and want to take justice into their own hands, I want to encourage them and welcome them to start their own businesses and create mm-hmm. their own power. Um, so that's, that's uh, another kind of target for us. I think we have access to so many types of these organizations while all equally unique it's like it's centered to cities yeah like you know the dc's the new york's the boston's and so which is why i think it's really important that we have the infrastructure to support grassroots efforts Mm -hmm. right so this uh, technology that we're launching is going to be key in doing that Mm -hmm. um because if i can go to topeka kansas Mm mm-hmm or Kansas City, Missouri, which is, is a city. City, yeah. a city, but in, in their surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. And 
and say, here, you're going to create your own entrepreneurial community and your mm-hmm. own ecosystem, and this is a platform to help you manage that, right? We have something that's more scalable and, and really run by grassroots. So our, our scaling kind of strategy is as revolving around chapters. Mm. So we want to have the infrastructure to support local chapters throughout America and the world. So it'll be like Street Entrepreneurs Kansas City chapter. Yes. Kind of thing. Yes. And I love your vision. It's so big. And I if love we it. have a f- funder in, in a city that wants to name it after themselves, I'm cool with that too. <laughs> it's like, it's totally fine. Just build it. <laughs> Just build it. I, I care so little about mm-hmm. like the brand of it all. Mm-hmm. I care about the work, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's a nonprofit that is doing this in wherever, <laughs> in like Jackson Hole, mm-hmm. I will give them our curriculum, our technology, and have it call, have them call it whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they want. Just, just do it. You know. No, I love that because it builds it builds community. Because I think so often we are so um, entrenched in keeping what is ours. Because it's like this idea. It's like, well, I created it, so yeah. it's mine. Yeah. And if you use it, it has to have my name on it, kind of thing. Yeah, and. I um, honestly I hate to see this in 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 a lot of kind of nonprofit organizations that I feel like lose lose hold of the vision. Like yeah. Ultimately, why are you doing this? Like you see on my whiteboard, I have I have that. So every day I ask myself, why? Like why mm-hmm. am I doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I I go into what are we doing and how we're gonna do it, and that's how I prioritize. What, everything I do so I go through my agenda and I think about why mm-hmm. right so is this advancing entrepreneurs and creating a grid-based economy yes no no okay you're out the list right so ultimately it's about that mm-hmm. right so if there's other organizations that are doing that and the best and the best we can do to to support our mission is to support them mm-hmm. and collaborate with them. that's awesome are so the entrepreneurs that you have that are kind of in your workshops and graduate, quote-unquote, from from this uh, group of programs, are they automatically partners of street entrepreneurs? Are they completely separate entities? So what do you mean by partner? Hmm, I'm trying... That's a good question. What do I think of as partners? I think in the sense of, like, we have... We're X, Y, and Z company, and we have a partnership with street entrepreneurs, so we provide for them... So X we, class and they provide for us X product. Right. So we have different kinds of partnerships. We mm-hmm. have programming partnerships. That's um, organizations whose mission we, we support and we want to support their audience, mm-hmm. right? And the individuals they support and complement that. Mm-hmm. So that to me would be like um, I in three. I, they're our partner and we collaborate in a lot of the work we do because we believe in, in a shared vision mm-hmm. and we have a lot of shared values, mm-hmm. right? So for us, we, we support um, the, the same individuals they support. We provide mm-hmm. them kind of um, promo codes to come to all of our programming, mm-hmm. right? And vis-a-vis. So there's those kind of really tight partnerships, right? Then mm-hmm. there's um, sponsorship, yeah, right? Um, and then there's, of course, 
the lecturers who are also partners. So it's there's different kinds of partnerships. Mm-hmm. What I consider our participants partners. A lot of our participants are also lecturers. So mm-hmm. definitely, um, our participants are asked to pay it forward. So mm-hmm. the idea is that once they make it, they they pay back the money that was invested in them to someone else in the program. Um, so that they can make it well the idea is to have a pay it forward model Mm -hmm. so that that's more sustainable right so for instance uh, if there's someone that went through the 32 workshops at a free rate Mm -hmm. because they were low income and they were getting their business off the ground the idea is that once they make it and we know they will Mm -hmm. they will have enough money to pay that money back not just to street entrepreneurs, but to someone else who wants to go through street entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So it's it becomes kind of a pay it forward. And then mm-hmm. they will sit at the next showcase and invest in another business, mm-hmm. right? So I like that. I like that encouragement of that and be like, and kind of I think that shows where your heart is in this mission. It's like once you make it, don't come back and thank me. You can thank me by investing in the next class of people that come out of this process. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Have you as 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 a woman um, starting a nonprofit, especially an entrepreneur nonprofit, face any type of pushback or backlash? Because you said like you know seventy percent of the people coming in here were men at one point so I wouldn't consider that pushback or backlash Mm -hmm. no I don't think like men coming in is pushback or backlash (laughs) I'm just saying it's like in the entrepreneurial space we may see it more as like a a male dominated space versus an equal an equitable kind of men and women any non-binary just coming in and like wanting to be entrepreneurs and so as you as the face of this type of business or non-profit just just to speak a little bit more about that um Initially, it was it was seventy percent black men, and and there's there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. So when you when you do a little digging into, you know, unemployment rates mm-hmm. amongst black men, they tend to be higher. And correct me if I'm wrong, than amongst women. No. Yes. yes. That is very true. Yes. So it makes sense. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. So we welcome them, mm-hmm. right? And I think investing them the in them is 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 entirely legitimate, and they're worthy people that are fighting to mm-hmm. provide for them fat for their families and and oftentimes they're also underpaid in their jobs or we're not simply being given an opportunity to rise in their jobs and many others simply had this crazy idea of something they wanted to bring to life mm-hmm. and needed support doing that right so the the reason I targeted women is because I knew it was in the best interest of these men to be in a classroom that also had women present <laughs> yeah. be, and in the best interest of, of, of our program to also serve women mm-hmm. and to ensure that they knew they were welcome and that we were here to support them as mm-hmm. well, right? So um, it we, we want to serve both men and women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as me sensing pushback for being a woman in this, in, in this field and as a social entrepreneur um i have to say i've been very privileged in that it's been uh limited so your show is titled more than a pretty face Mm -hmm. right and i have had some experiences where where people just see me as a pretty face Mm -hmm. right um i don't want to sound arrogant by 
No, oh my gosh, no, no, not at all. That's but that's the whole point. Is like you see you see the face and you see that maybe we're more feminine than others or, or something like that, and it's like you just automatically make this assumption that yeah, I we're think not grit based or young mm-hmm. and a Latina woman, and sometimes people have quite like questionized your legitimacy to mm-hmm. be doing this work. Mm-hmm. So why you? You know, what yeah. qualifies you? That's a better way of asking my question. That's literally right? what I meant. Like, what, you know... So I've been... I, I'm constantly asked, why you? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what qualifies you? Whereas I feel if someone, a guy who graduated from Stanford, you know, you know, worked in, in this field, you know, came from money, mm-hmm. like, no one would ask him that. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, your dad has an investment firm. That's why. Right? So I do feel like... There's, there's, um, I, I would have a lot less explaining to do if, if I, if I came from money, if I went to like a prestigious Ivy League school, mm-hmm. if I was a guy, right? If, if investors saw themselves in me, yes, right? There would be a lot less explaining. But having said that, I don't mind during the explaining and mm-hmm. I can answer why me because no one else is going to be as passionate and as driven and as committed to this as me mm-hmm. and because with tooth and nails I've done so much so with $20,000 we served 300 people for That's a, a year long program you know we mobilized 32 lectures and 120 coaches and mentors so why me? Because I make magic happen, and frankly, because I'm a little bit crazy, right? Listen, aren't we all, though, like, to do the work that we do? Yeah. Any woman I've met that's made, we're all a little bit... Well, I heard this once, um, like, to entrepreneurs are are crazy because they see a world that doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I fit there 100%. I think that's a beautiful way, but like, see it because it's true. Because like, you're creating something that doesn't already exist, but you see where it could be and what it can be, and you're like, I'm gonna create that. Yeah. You're an artist in a in a way. Yeah. Um, and I think what you're doing is creating this culture of, uh, of entrepreneurs who are socially conscious and aware of the other entrepreneurs and see them as like an entrepreneur first and as like a human first for what they're creating. And it's like, I'm going in to present you with this product or this idea, this innovation, see that innovation and don't just assume because of my gender or how I choose to identify or show present myself that you have some power over me because of that. Yeah. Um, but versus look at my product and do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it can be profitable or or it's, it can make some type of social impact? Look at that. In this world, we so often have have to get past being a woman for them to see our product. Like, don't, you know, like get past being a woman so they can see your, pro- your product. And you shouldn't have to overcome that about yourself. This is something that you inherently are. You know, I really, really, really want to raise from women. But... And, and I I really, really want to, but it's there's just so many more, like, investors who are men, mm-hmm. you know? And, that, yeah, because we don't live in a place yet where women control a, a good enough chunk they of... They do, it's just 
that money goes into philanthropy, mm. right? So there's a lot, there's a lot more women who invest in, in nonprofit causes than they do in for-profit businesses. Mm. Interesting. But we have both here, so <laughs> so like we can do it all. Just come. <laughs> exactly. um, so this leads me to my last question that I like to ask all my guests. Uh, how do you define being a woman or womanhood? How do I define being a woman or womanhood? Mm-hmm. That is a deep question. Because <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm thinking. So I, I, I don't think it's it's the physical attributes that you're born with that make mm-hmm. you a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Because we know there's a lot of individuals with different physical attributes that also um, identify as women, right? Um, I think womanhood per se is um, is a social construct in in many ways uh, in that um, it, it just being a woman means different things in different cultures mm-hmm. right so in in some cultures womanhood means motherhood mm-hmm. right you are the gender that brings life into the world and and nourishes that life and and brings on the next generation right in other cultures that's the role of both men and women and it's it's a much more equal partnership in that a woman is 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 viewed as as the same right as as the men um and while physical attributes are different um they're both given the the shot at succeeding in in a variety of careers and fields Mm -hmm. right so i guess for me being a woman in in our current social construct is something very powerful because we have to overcome so much and we have overcome so much i mean not too long ago women couldn't vote Mm -hmm. and now women can vote women can run for political office women control VC funds, women um, run um, Fortune 500 companies uh, and have children, and women run marathons, and women win tennis tournaments, and, you know, I am I'm so inspired and pushed by so many incredible women that kind of tell you, you can and you will. Mm-hmm. Like Serena Williams is one of my uh, greatest inspirations. Queen, just uh, isn't she incredible? We can talk about it for days. I can do a whole separate podcast. <gasps> no, but know. really, so here's a woman that you know wore a suit mm-hmm. to protect against blood clots after after a traumatic um, kind of birth. Um, she was told she had to wear a skirt. Right, mm-hmm. and and mind you, it, you know that's because the suit was too sexual, but that suit was perfectly covering. Yes, um, but have you seen tennis skirts? Those things are short. Yeah, Those are like very short. So it it definitely has nothing to do with, you know, sexual or appropriate. It it mm-hmm. had to do with control. Mm-hmm. These men wanted the the power mm-hmm. to control this powerful woman right and when women rebel 
and call back, they're always punished more severely. So my, my, my brother and my, my dad told me this, like, it sounds so bad when you, when you speak forcefully. Like, you speak forcefully all the time, but you won't reprimand my brother for doing that. Mm-hmm. Why do you reprimand me? Because women are supposed to be more gentle and feminine. And, and I guess that's another question. What is femininity, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, so to me, being a woman is not necessarily about being feminine. Mm-hmm. It's about being powerful, mm-hmm. right? When people say, like, you kick like a girl, and, and we saw in that commercial, like, girls are freaking powerful. I mean, we're fighters like Rhonda, and we are, you know, poets like Maya, and we are athletes like Serena, and we are powerful and frankly i think we are going to bring more peace into the world we know that women are better peacemakers mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we know that women invest in their communities we're going to bring others up with us uh we know that women are can be incredible incredible leaders and even though we we have to fight for our seat at the table i think once we gain that seat what we will do with it is is magic. I love that answer. I love this question. I love that answer. It was great. Thank you so much, Juliana, for talking with me today. This was great. I loved it. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug or give a shout out to? Um, yes. Um, so as I mentioned, um, we're looking for partners in mm-hmm. this work. We're looking for sponsors and I'm not just looking for money, mm-hmm. right? So if all you have to give is money, then that's not enough. I'm looking for people who care about the work we're doing and want to join us in a partnership to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so if uh, that's you, do reach out to me. Yes, I will post um, your email in the show notes when this... Info uh, at streetentrepreneurs.org. Perfect. So everybody, get on board, learn more about street entrepreneurs. They're an incredible organization doing incredible, incredible work. And I feel very blessed and honored to be able to talk with the founder today. Um, Thank you all for listening. If you would like to connect with us, please follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. And you can also like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. And if you want to email us because you just want to say, hey, you want to come on the show, know someone who can come on the show. If you want to sponsor the show, please sponsor the show. Uh, please email us at, at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com. Um, and please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.